How do we get what is rightfully ours back? How do we get the amount of water back that always had kept our resources alive, healthy for the people of their community to, to feed their families with? We had to start to self-advocate for, you know, for, for the fishermen and for those users of the shoreline. And, that, and that's kind of what we're about is providing that voice. This is Hawaii Rising, a podcast from the Hawaii People's Fund. I'm Kenji Cataldo. I'm Suyuno Amos. Each week, we'll be talking story with grassroots community organizers at the forefront of progressive movements for change in Hawaii. Over this series, we're featuring the 30 grantees who received community-raised funds through the Hawaii People's Fund this year. It's our biggest cohort to date, and we're so excited to share their stories with you. Today, we're talking with Jarek Maderos-Garcia and Blake McNaughton, the president and vice president of Makahanaloa Fishing Association on Hawaii Island. Makahanaloa Fishing Association seeks to grow and protect their community's rights to provide food for their families and maintain the generational bonds to the treasured shoreline areas of Hilo Paliku. The association is currently trying to establish permanent and protected access to the shoreline of Pepeakeo on Hawaii Island through the Public Open Lands and Natural Resources Conservation Commission. Education, outreach, and activation of this community-focused stewardship effort is the primary goal of the association as they fight to stop the continual degradation of access to the aina that nourishes their bodies and spirit. After recording this interview, we got to visit Pepeakeo with Blake and Jerick and see the shoreline where they're fighting to maintain fishing access. To see photos from that visit, check out the latest blog post on hawaiipeoplesfund.org backslash blog, or click the link in the episode description. For now, here's our interview from October. We are here with Blake McNaughton and Jarek Maderos-Garcia of Makahanaloa Fishing Association. Could you both introduce yourselves, your hui, and the work that you're doing? My name is Jarek Maderos-Garcia, and I'm the president of Makahanaloa Fishing Association. We're a nonprofit 501c3. And um, we're excited to be here on this podcast. You know, it's, this is our moment uh, where we can share with the community, the outside community of where we're at over uh, in uh, Mokokeabe. We're 10 miles north of Hilo. It's called Pepe Kill. Um, I, have, I have a wonderful uh, support system within our board and our community. Um, and yeah, I got my vice president here. I cannot do anything without that guy because he's he's awesome. You know? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, aloha kako. Uh, I'm Blake McNaughton. I'm the vice president of Makanola Fishing Association. Um, live here with my my ohana, uh, and really, you know, I'm I'm from Waimea, but <clears throat> we moved here and built our our house here. Um, see almost 15 years ago in in Pepeakeo and uh, we'd grown up diving this shoreline and, and fell in love with this area never never thought I would be able to kind of live along this shoreline but um, you know having our kids here and kind of seeing um, seeing access restricted over time over the time that I've been here um, you know we used to see areas where where guys would fish all the time and then 
you know, house got bid there or somebody stopped maintaining the access or, you know, it got harder and harder and harder. And you just see less and less guys fishing those areas. It's, uh, that, that was what kind of pushed Jarek and I to say, Hey, we got to do something about this. Um, you know, our kids are not going to be able to get to those spots if, if we don't get more active and start to, to maintain those accesses, because it's just such a, like a hodgepodge of who, who maintains what and, and, and how you get down there and, and property owners are always changing. You might have an agreement with one and then they change. And so that's, that's really our, our main mission for Makanaloa is to make sure that our kids and their kids can, can get to these, these shoreline areas and, and fish and, and feed their families and, um, and, and know these, know these, know this Aina and, and know those stories and, and, and the old timers can get down there too. Um, and so that's, that's, that's our main mission. Um, that's what Makanalo is, is all about. And, and we're lucky to have the fishermen that, that are, are still really amazing and, and know those grounds, um, that we can, that we can rely on. Cause you know, Jer- Jarek is a great fisherman in his own right. And, and, and I, I like to say that, that I can fish, but there's so many, <laughs> there's so many different fishing styles and so many different areas. You can't, you can't be good at any of them. So it really takes that, that who you have guys. Awesome. Could you lay out for us, um, what is the main challenge you're dealing with in regards to shoreline access and how did that issue come to be? And maybe you can also talk about, you know, what is the Public Open Lands and Natural Resources Conservation Commission and what is your strategy there? The area that we mainly steward is, you know, we have members mostly from Papaiko, which is about six six miles out, seven miles outside of Hilo, Hilo Paliku area, um, over to about Hakalau. Um, but Makanala Fishing Association was born out of the Pepegill Fishing Access Committee. And this committee came about when um, a developer, Continental Pacific, um, came in in the early 2000s and in, in actually the late, <clears throat> the late 90s, and they wanted to develop this shoreline the shoreline area, um, Makai of Pepekeo, uh, which is all sugar land before. Um, the sugar plantation had shut down and they had bought the land and they wanted to develop it. And so as a condition of their developing, they started to meet with the community and the community said, you know, we, we want to retain our fishing access. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of community discussions and, and ultimately the community agreed on a set of fishing accesses, um, many of which were vehicular to get down to the shoreline. Um, long story short, those accesses changed a lot by the time that final legal document was signed, which is 2011. Uh, this was 10 years after the development was approved and everything. Um, Additionally, those accesses, a lot of them are not maintained um, according to the legal description. So that's our biggest challenge is, um, you know, along this shoreline, <clears throat> which runs from Waima'alao stream to Kapehu stream, uh, it's four different ahupua'a in, in what we see today, but we've gone back in the history and we're actually one of the areas where there was a really dense concentration of, of named ahupua'a, like up to, uh, we could have up to 15 in this area alone. Um, so you can see it, it was a really rich, you know, if you think as ahupua'a as a, as a section of land that can support a community or at least support an ohana, it was a really, it's, it is a really rich area. And so it just, it's retaining, it's us pushing to retain access to those resources. Um, 
and that's 24 seven access, not six to six, um, not, we have to walk five miles to get to our access. It's uh, maintained access for our old timers and, and for our keiki that they can come down and fish their family. So that's, that's the biggest, the biggest issue and the biggest challenge for, for us in, as an organization. Yeah. For, for me is, um, you know, my mother-in-law, she was part of the, um, association for Pepe Kill, and she was the one that was handling this list of people that would sign up with them and they were called the Pepe Kill Fishing, Associ uh, Fishing Association Committee and my mother-in-law Carol Nakasato she, the community just love her you know she's such a such a uh, pono person and um, you know she's getting older and stuff like that and so the guys would always come to our place and get the combination or pay. Uh, but like there was a $5 fee before in the past, but you know, she also sat as the treasurer for the Pepe Kill community association. And when I got there, you know, I was watching everything going on and it dawned on me that they're losing access. Every time she would come home and go and check in the shoreline, I would hear her talk about how this, house coming up and they no, no longer can go down and so me being on a kind of stubborn hawaiian portuguese guy i figure i was you know rooted into the union lifestyle yeah for the hotel industry and stuff like that so i'm very involved with the, the union and you know shop steward and i'm a contract guy and so when i heard that there was a contract written up i wanted to see what it was about and when i I kept on waiting for this meeting to happen. It wasn't happening. So I pushed forward to uh, force them on meeting. Uh, and that's where um, I told them I would take over the association because, you know, we had this, we got this power plant coming up called Hohunua. And these are older people, the plantation people, right? Well, my mother-in-law, them age and, the people that was running the association, they weren't being transparent about things. So in order for us to have gotten where we're at today, I think that this process had to be taken of somebody stepping forward and pushing, questioning, and um, you know, pointing it out and finding their ways to get the answers to the problems that we were having. And I um, started taking on these issues. Now, then... My mother-in-law, she was comfortable with that. And so I told her, you know what, Ma, enjoy your time. You know, I will take over the shoreline. And so I did, looked into it. We found the right ways to do it. Then I met Blake. And man, this guy would open up some doors for us. You know, he came as big guy. And I was like, oh, shoot. Uh, oh, and they started talking Hawaiian. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I was like, oh, shucks. Wow, man, this stuff is meant to be, you know, like, where are you going to find one guy is like the most tallest Kamehameha and uh, <laughs> speaks Hawaiian. <laughs> it's like, wow, man. So, you know, we, we got, uh, we got together and, um, you know, and we are fortunate to be the stewards of this shoreline. It's super, super nice, man. And when, you know, Blake came with his Hawaiian and, talking and then he starts telling us the more of this area that in itself 
is uh, unbelievable for me. Like, you know, it takes a deeper, a deeper uh, drive for me to fight. So when you want to hear something about that area where we're doing and what certain part of it, that's when I point to Blake because that guy got him. He's got the stories and it's, it's the stories of uh, our old Hawaiians. And so it's super cool. And my kids love Uncle Blake and my, but they cannot wake up ready enough to come clean with us. So, um, <laughs> but it's about our kids and the future generations and our community. We have quite a bit of members. If, Everybody, if we count everybody that had signed up with us since we've been doing this, we've got over 200 people. But as for the ones that came out and to only recently, we became this nonprofit, right? So only at that point when we became a 501c3, you were allowed to collect money as a, you know, as an organization. So yeah, that's the part that we had to kind of correct too, because the way the old timers had it, it wasn't a legal avenue. And so we went for years, like, you know, without being able to collect dues or anything because we just didn't want to break the rules. And so only up to last year, when we became that 501c3, we had our first meeting as that establishment and, um, so far, trying to get to these guys, because a lot of them is old timers, so they don't do emails. They don't do internet. They don't do uh, communication. <laughs> uh, it's just when we see them, we got to remind them, oh, you try calling them, and it's a landline, so you kind of get to hold them because they're not home, because they don't carry cell phones. So, yeah, it's that, that difference uh, of then and now. How do we get them to take part? Well, it's when we see them and, you know, I wish I had that time to go and drive down and go to their homes and because they're right there in the area. But even when you go there, they're not home sometimes. So and then you tell them when to show up and they forget about it because they don't use no calendars or anything like, you know. But anyway, yeah, it's just it's getting there, though. Uh, the, the message is out and, you know, it's there's a lot of issues down there where we're at and it starts from our natural resources, you know, it's an important for us to pay attention to these things such as, you know, the river diversions and uh, the cruise ships that come in and out and before the pandemic. And since the pandemic, it's pretty much been a blessing that they're not in our waters because the water is pristine and the, the resources is healthy. They can see their food. We can see them easier for catch them now. You know, it's like, um, it's, it, there is a huge difference of our uh, environmental aspect of this whole thing and natural resources is big it's huge uh, water is huge from the riverways the ones that is conservation from Mauna Kea those are the important ones and when you see that they, they, they divert them and when you you approach the people that is in charge of these permits that they're issuing and they don't have your answers for you you know and you can clearly see the profit the, the profiting off of these things you know how do we get around that stuff how do we get what is rightfully ours back? How do we get the amount of water back that always had kept our resources alive, healthy for the people of our community to, to feed their families with? You know, how do we get that back when these politicians' hands are all in that cookie jar? 
And if we got listeners out there listening and they're having the same issues, man, we would like to kuka kuka and um, you know, just figure out the solutions to these issues and together, because when there's more people trying to fight that issue, more people, the more power, the more the movement move forward, I guess, you know, it's just how I feel. And I'm a stubborn person. So, you know, at the very beginning of this whole thing has Makahana law, you know, the fishermen, they were so used to just going anytime they wanted to. And once I started, you know, doing this combination of changing of this combination, not only once every three weeks, it started to come down to like three times, four or five times a week, being that the combination was being shared with others that was, wasn't a part of the ones that is our kuleana to make sure that these things is, you know, we follow the rules, we sign the waivers. It's an agreement. Yeah, it's a binding con- agreement that we had agreed to follow. And so when that starts getting out of hand, you give one of your members a combination and they give it out to five of their friends. Next thing you know, you got 15 people down there calling other people. Hey, come down. The combination is this. That's where I really had to jump on it and, you know, started getting. That's I felt the only way we could manage it without breaching our end of the deal of this uh, privilege. It's a privilege, you know, because although it, it, we, it is our right to be able to go down there, you know, it ended up turning to be a privilege because now we got to try and convince these landowners who is now living on land that was rightfully supposed to be given back to the kingdom. You know, it's a plantation, Seabrua, that sold those lands big number acreage in order to sell it for cheap, you know, to just get rid of it before his contract was up and he had to return it. So, yeah, it is just now it's a privilege for us. It's been a challenge. It's been a challenge within our community. Um, you know, our community is is a plantation community in a lot of senses. This is one of the oldest plantations in the state. Um, Kapakoya Plantation was 1857. It started, um, and and so and before that, before that, it was it was Kanaka living over here, right, all, all along this coast. Um, and so this area has been fished for generations, and and always with the plantation, good or bad, you know, um, like it or not. Um, some of their land management practices, people, people had access to the shoreline um, and they could go fish those spots, you know? And so just, just only in the past, uh, I mean, really only in the past 10 years, um, have we started to see these gates going on and places that are always allowed to go under plantation days starting to get blocked off like systematically. Um, and so, and so, you know, it's been a challenge for, for, for Jared. Jared talked about like the old timers, you know, we have this, this really cool mix of guys, like young guys. And then these old time, older guys that actually grew up along the shoreline, like the, um, the plantation village used to run right along the shoreline. So they can tell stories of when they were in the houses, like, and they in front of the fishing spots. Um, and so, you know, the stories they have about these areas and stuff are just super rich and, and, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to lose, lose that EK, lose those, lose those stories. Um, cause, uh, cause quite a few people grew up down here. And then at some point, um, you know, everybody moved up Malka and this area was opened up. And so it's like these people that really know this area, really know these resources were raised in the techniques to take advantage of these resources and know that the patterns and cycles are now, 
um, getting cut off from, from, from them. So, um, yeah, to see, to see that and to have to make those changes, like Jarek was talking about, like managing gates and stuff to, to have to make those kind of changes in a community that's always had those accesses has been a challenge and, and been tough. Um, you know, and, and to, ha to have those conversations between a, a local community and, and people that, you know, maybe don't have those, those same values and, and even that same language, you know, there's a language barrier there is, is, has been, has been a challenge, but, you know, we're thankful that we have the group of guys that we have and the, the families that we have some, a, a really amazing community in Pepe Kill. And, and I think with the, the, politicians you know talking about that i think there's so many communities are facing these same access issues the same issues all around the state um you know it's you know everybody kind of raising their hand like we need help um you know it's it's tough for them as well to kind of address all those issues so we, we, we've had to start to self-advocate for you know for for the fishermen and for those users of the shoreline and, and that's kind of what we're about is providing that voice and and now more and more that 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 we're active in the community jerk saying oh we get water stuff going on like more and more people are coming to him and coming to our people and saying oh what about this what about that you know the hunters are coming down oh we need a association for hunting access we're getting cut off there and you know it's just it's just it's just hard to see hard to see that that going on but we, we are starting to make a dent i think so, so the so thing it that, sounds like that we have coming up is um the public open lands and natural cost Resources Conservation Commission. Um, so we nominated two properties. Um, one, one we kind of call the, the Northern Shoreline um, and the, the other, which is south of, of the old sugar mill, uh, which is the entire shoreline of the Ili of Pepekeo. Pepekeo is a Ili with inside of Makanaloa. Um, and so it runs that entire shoreline. Um, they got, they just got rated. We got our ratings back. Um, the south one, the Ili of Pepekeo is number eight. Um, and the north one got rated number eleven, which which is both pretty good. Um, you know, top ten is 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 good. And so uh, we're going to be pushing, I think, for for the county to push uh, for purchase of that southern one. Um, that one is actually on the market right now, so it's it's um, much more imperiled. You know, if somebody buys it up, um, we don't know how they're gonna gonna treat that shoreline. So. Uh, hopefully we can we can push the county to purchase that that southern one and then we would apply to be the the, the managers the organization that stewarding that 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 property and and be able to provide um access for 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 our fishermen and, and start to steward that shoreline in a in a much more um, a, a way right now it's um uh pasture land and it's it's pretty pretty rough some of the areas that's where we're working pa this past sunday um so the guys were we're building trail and you know it's just stuff grows so fast here um unless you unless the property owner is real active about maintaining maintaining those areas it just gets overgrown so fast and then you know who, who wants to like hack their way through uh, 200 300 feet of you know 10 foot high grass to get to their fishing spots so so that's where we're at with the public open lands um the, and natural resources conservation commission the punk the punk fund the hawaii punk fund so next year um after christmas it'll be coming up um so if, you know we can help get the community support and people's support for um you know to to talk to our county council rep who is well aware of this effort and has supported us with this. Um, but, you know, if we can get that testimony, get that support, um, 
you know, that would be, that would be tremendous to, uh, to help our efforts. And, um, but yeah, that's where we're at with that, with that punk punk fund. So the next, the next kind of push is coming up this, this next year when it goes before the County, the Hawaii County council. So just to clarify your goal as an organization is for the state to purchase the shoreline and then for the Makahanaloa fishing association to be the organization that stewards it for community access. Is that right? Um, the, so for this one, it'd be the County. Oh, the county. Okay. Yeah, and then, um, then we would be the steward uh, for the north one. Right now, we have a, a an agreement with the developer and with a private property owner to get access. Um, and we we're just uh, we we're just in the news a little bit ago. We signed um, or we we made an agreement from another property property owner. They were uh, wanting to build a house within the conservation district within the state conservation district, which is just the a zoning, a state zoning that runs along a lot of the, our shoreline. Um, but in order to do, in order to build in that district, um, you have to consider public access, especially for cultural and, 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 and gathering rights. And so they approached us, they knew we were um, stewarding some of these areas. And he said, you know, can, can you help us um, to figure out the access for this, for this fishing area, which is a named fishing area? Um, and we said, yeah, sure. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we're, we should be put in there, um, in perpetuity in the deed, um, and to maintain, um, stewardship of that access. So, so going beyond these areas where, you know, traditionally we, we managed it as the, the fishing access committee, you know, this subdivision that was developed, um, to, to move to other areas that have gotten gated and, and try to make agreements with property owners, whether it's a private agreement that's temporary or, or a permanent, a permanent agreement, like we were just talking about with that, with that deed or, or, or with the County. Um, so w whatever means that, that we can do to preserve access and, and for us to, um, to be able to steward those areas, we're gonna, we're gonna do it. We're, we're flexible. We'll, we'll take whatever route we can, <laughs> we can. So, uh, but yeah, for that one, it'll be the County. They we're we're hoping that they'll purchase it under this fund, which comes from two percent of property taxes, um, and then we would be the stewards. And there's some um, there's some funding that would help us to maintain that area as well, um, which would be which would be tremendous. I just wanted to follow up on what you were saying about community support, because one of the goals of this podcast is to let listeners know how they can get involved. So can you give more information about when they will be soliciting testimonials and what kind of community support you will be looking for? So um, it'll be around February or March of 2022. Um, the testimony can be submitted to um, the Hawaii County Council. Um, and it's basically in support of um, this kind of acquisition. Um, we're a little bit different in terms of the the properties that punk normally purchases um there there is public access pedestrian access that runs along there um but what we're advocating for is basically to move the needle back to those original community promises and original community discussions in terms of how we can maintain those areas and who's maintaining them because it just gets so complicated um and right now just to give you an example um there's three access points along that property that run from the road down to the water 
all three of them are blocked or unmaintained in some sense. And then the shoreline access is unmaintained along probably 90% of it. And so despite the fact that there's a law and it says these are people are responsible for maintaining it and we have repetitively made complaints about the maintenance of that, it's not happening. And the government does not enforce that maintenance. And so it's up to us as community organizations to, to be that voice. And, and this is really the best way we could see is if the county purchases it and then we have some stewardship funding to maintain it, it's going to be what I think the original law um, intended for that area and for the community, what was promised to the community. Um, and so, it, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it's a little bit different, but it comes along with that, that storyline. So any support we can get in terms of testimony, um, you know, anybody that's interested or, or a, a proponent, a supporter of a public access, we would appreciate um, um, your support. And I think another, uh, another way to really help us right now is um, we're trying to, trying to fundraise um, uh, to apply for a USDA grant uh, to purchase some equipment to help us with our maintenance. Um, so, so any help with, with, with that would be, would be greatly appreciated. Um, we're working on, we're, you know, we're, we are getting up and running. So we're working on a website and so stay tuned. We'll, we'll, we'll let you guys know how, um, how maybe you can donate or, or, you know, if you live in this area, if you guys want to come out to, to our Aloha Aina days and help to Malama some of those areas and see them, I think that's another way to support. I don't know, Jerick, you have other things to add about support? Yeah, well, uh, right now well, we're on that line app. Well, our, our members, I got them on their, um, on the line app. And so whenever, you know, it was, it was taking me forever to text everybody separately. So I had to get them on this line app. And once you get on that app, or, you know, anybody can just actually call me anytime or email us. But uh, I got them on this uh, line app. And so when I just send one message out, let them know the dates or whatever, I got to get out to them. Or, you know, I try to post when, when, when the fishermen catch fish and stuff like that. And they send me the information because, you know, it's about us as, as this organization. We must do our, we must do uh resource management too right so keep the keeping numbers and stuff like that so this is one way that i i uh get to share what they catch you know a lot of them are proud of what they catch and you know it's pretty much bragging rights for them so this line app you go to the line app makahana law fishing association uh, you can look it up on there and you can shoot a request to get there we'll invite you in um, or i'll call you first and have a talk with you to see what what who you are where you're from and stuff like that because we do have like a, an agreement in our contract for the shoreline with the uh, developer yeah they want us to keep it the members from the area you know and then since covid happened um we just uh we agreed to um allow adjacent communities to be a part of it because the fact that um we had a hakalau mill close so the hakalau area guys they can they can't go down and gather you know they didn't know how to get down there most of them and then you got kole kole beach park which was closed for a couple of years and so i also reached out to them and see if they wanted to be a part of what we're doing so that they can gather for their families you know and then we went down the coast towards hilo to popaiko and pauka and you know why not go and stuff like that? Because I felt that it is important that they have access to provide for their families. And so 
you know, we kind of pulled them in and then Corona happened. And then, you know, although beaches was closed, you know, for our area there, as long as they're going to go down there to gather, you know, and stay under the number of people that uh, the they mandated. So they got to go down and gather their food and stuff like that, which is, you know, it's totally cool. And we, we are that people, Blake, myself, the people that is part of our organization, but, you know, we do this, we don't get paid, um, but, you know, like for the county, we like them purchase some, but then we run into opposition from those people that we've been talking about that buy homes and come in and, you know, think that's their place and they don't want to see people in front of their homes and stuff like that. So that opposition is, you know, you got maybe the president of that community telling the new homeowners, it's not going to be good. You know, it's going to be tourists all over the place. And, you know, and we're like, Hey, listen, we're not going to advertise nothing. It's not going to have more people than they have right now. Um, we're not, they're thinking it's going to be something like um, Lili Ohalani Park, where tourist buses are going to be pulling up and going into their community. But, you know, it's not that. We're just trying to secure the last of paradise at the last possible chances we've got of doing that. So, you know, to have the county purchase this lands for us, uh, for our community, not for us, but for our community, you know, the county is already failing to um, maintain it. And this is where we are taking over and doing it for them. And it is important that um, they see that effort because they're not doing nothing about it. And by them not doing nothing about it, it allows these homeowners to think that it's their place, you know? And so especially got an agreement in their deed saying that they have an easement, you know, that easement. Which, which it is right. Which it is their place too. But, but, you know, I think a lot of people that come, come, come from somewhere else don't understand the history of the place that they're moving into and, and understand yeah. that that's the shoreline areas are community areas. Those are community gathering places, yeah. you know? And so it is their place, but, and, and so the Jerky, that was like a great point, like communication, right? Like it, one, one way you can support is a hey, talk to, especially from, from this area, you're hearing this and you're from this area, you know, a hey, talk, talk to the, talk to your friends, talk to the people that live down here or, or let them know like we're around, Makanaloa is around, you know, um, you know, talk to Jarek about it. Talk to me about it. Talk to your, ask your fishing friends. You know, there's, I'm, I know there's fishermen within the community that, that haven't joined with us, with us yet, you know, so that, that would be a great way to support to um, the thing that Jarek brought up is, is kind of having people having those conversations with the community within the community as well. Yeah. It's important because there's a lot of old timers that, you know, recently, most times when somebody new comes in, I'll make it my, I'll make, make it to where I'm going to go down and meet these people. You know, I, I make, I go out of my way to go and meet them at the gate, tell them how this thing is operated and let them know what is our rules and what is expected of them and what is not expected of them. So I make sure I get that to them and then I let them know, you know, 24 hours, call me. I'll give you the latest combination because I'm always changing it. But that's something that I have to do. You know, a lot of guys don't like the idea that I change them two, three, four, five times a week. But I have to do that in order 
to maintain the management of it. So I explained to them, but when you go down there and they go, you know what? I can come back tomorrow for go bring my my wife or something. We never come, we, we never come down here. We taught our kids how to fish down here. You know, when they go down there, I try to go there because I like to hear what they, you know, what are their thoughts. And man, to see, to hear these, their story of how now they're, they're there with their mo'opuna, right? Telling their mo'opunas, this is where your daddy learned how to fish. This is where we taught your daddy how to fish. This is, you know, that's, that's why I do this. That right there. The smile, the memory, the just the stories, just the history. That is worth it. Yeah, I think it's an interesting struggle at this moment because, you know, to be a Levita is a whole lifestyle. And to lose that lifestyle has this cultural impact that spans generationally. And it's also a moment for anyone listening right now to think about how do we be sustainable? How do we manage our resources? And how do we get the communities that are closest to it to be the ones taking the lead on that? And so that's really inspiring to hear you talk about. You know, it, it is it is so important um, for whoever is listening to our this podcast. I just want to stress this. Our rights is we have the right to gather for free. And that means no permits. You don't pay for a permit. You don't pay for a license. You show up to the shoreline with your pole or your net, and you go get that. Keep on practicing that, right? You should never be cited for gathering and practicing your beliefs and your rights. You know, so, yeah, I just want to leave them with that. Uh, that is super important because it is at that level where we're getting screwed over and people, if they're not educated or they're not paying attention to these things, you're going to give in. Yeah, you're going to give in and you're giving away your rights, you know, like many other things. But to try and get it back, good luck. It's super hard to get it back. Most times, you're not. Even, even if you're educated, it's, it's, it, it's so complex and bureaucratic now to stay on top of everything. You, you just can't keep up like where the laws come from. And so, so advocating for the people that are using the resources to be able to guide the laws that are managing those resources, I think is, is the main thing. Cause I, you know, like Jarek and I are part of this group and it's an amazing group of people that are, you know, researchers, scientists, and they check all the laws. And, and I mean, even with a group of people doing that, that are like retired and like keeping up to date, you just can't, you just can't stay on top of it. It's in, it's intentionally complex so that you know we we can't we can't pay attention to it so i think that's where we're at with makana law is it's trying to get this group of ohana together so that uh we know what's happening with our resources and we can be a voice for for those resources um yes. you know, whether it's the laws or just whether it's us us managing as our our own selves our own actions because we because we know what's pono because we can see we can see the fishes you know how many are out there we know we we know when they're overfished and we can slow down or or whatever it is and and we know that it's linked to the land practices malka so so uh, you know i think empowering our community to to manage our own resources is another big piece of of makanaloa because like Derek was saying it's just it just gets so hard you know even even if you have a voice like him in the room that's going to stand up and ask the tough questions i mean it's 
it's it's just really hard to to put all those pieces together too. Mahalo, Jarek and Blake, so much for this conversation. I mean, there's just so much in there and hopefully whoever is listening can really see that at its heart, this is an environmental justice issue. You know, it's really popular right now for everybody to be talking about social justice and climate justice. And this is a perfect example of all of that. You know, this issue is one part of a community, but it has this whole Pai Aina wide ripple effect, I feel. so. You know, what you're fighting for is really high stakes and hopefully we can spread your story and get the word out. Thank you for having us. Man. Thank you, mahalo. Hawaii Rising is a podcast from the Hawaii People's Fund produced by me and me with additional support from Mickey. Our theme music is Revolutionary from the band Ukla the Mock, written and sung by Mickey Hui Hui. Production of this podcast is supported by a fellowship from Princeton University. Thank you to our community donors and to you, our audience, for listening. In our next episode, we'll be speaking with Kua Kanaka. What Ecoversity has the potential to do is to give folks a better sense of their identity. You don't want to miss it. <laughs>